Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh, talking Tennessee basketball, football, and more. Jimmy Himes joins us off the hook sports. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Here we go. Welcome to the program as we have been able to determine that Dalton Connect is good at basketball. That was uh, quite the display that we're going to get into uh, Alabama basketball continues to try to uh, pick up uh, as as many uh, off-court or on-court or some sort of issues after last season, what they went through. And now they got their coach uh, pushing people around on the court. Also, what's harder, following a legend like Nick Saban or taking over a mess of a program like Josh Heupel did? Uh, Jimmy Himes will join us to talk about that and more. Tyler Barron flips from... Ole Miss to Louisville, uh, pure craziness. And we'll talk about the balls. How how highly do they have to recruit with uh, Nico, like a special player? Think of Mike Vick. Mike Vick took Virginia Tech to a national championship game. And talking to a scout recently, he said that, that oftentimes can be the difference. It wasn't for Virginia Tech and turning them into a national power for quite some time. But that special player can certainly accelerate your ascension to a championship level. 
Uh, I wonder if Nico will be that guy, or does he still need some help? As I mentioned, uh, Dalton connects uh, pretty, pretty good. So hit that uh, like and subscribe button. We appreciate that. Jimmy Himes joins us now with lots of snow. I saw him tweet. <laughs> Jimmy, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm kind of snowbound here, but I'm doing fine. Well, there's there's worse things. Have you made any snow cream yet? Uh, no, I have not. I'm trying to stay out of that stuff. I walked to the mailbox the other day, and my feet got soaking wet because it was like 10 inches of snow, and it went over my shoes. It wasn't a very smart move, so uh, the mail will have to wait. Yes, and uh, if you use if you make snow cream, don't use the yellow snow. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> That's what my mom used to tell me when I was a kid. <laughs> Said, you know... <laughs> There are bets out there, so don't use the yellow snow. All right, uh, I will do that. All right, hit the like and subscribe button. We're going to dive right into it because we love uh, spending time with uh, Jimmy and getting his thoughts on some crazy topics that we throw out there. But he likes this topic, so uh, I'm excited. Today's tough question is now, and it's brought to you by Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Jimmy, did you hear that Nick Saban retired? What? Yeah, I know. Breaking news. It's stunning. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, Caleb, first of all, how are you, sir? I'm doing tremendous. Jimmy, he never asked how I am. Do you ever notice that? He doesn't care about my welfare at all. He asked how you were in the snow, but he didn't ask how I was. How are you doing, Caleb? I Thank care. you, Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy. Somebody does. It's Jimmy's fault. He was my mentor. I learned my leadership uh, style from him. Um, no, Jimmy always asked how I was doing. All right, Jimmy. So what's tougher? Just simply put, replacing a legend, a Nick Saban, the best coach uh, of this generation, no doubt. One of the best coaches of all time, if not the best coach of all time, or building a program up and the mess that Josh Heupel inherited, which wasn't just a coaching transition from a bad coach. It was a coaching transition with NCAA issues. Uh, both will face the transfer portal in which players can just up and go. We're seeing that at Alabama. There was mass exodus uh, at Tennessee from the Pruitt to Heupel transition. So I ask you, Jimmy, what's the more difficult uh, situation to overcome and get back to a championship level because it it ain't easy to do that. I think it's replacing the legend. And, and look, there are a lot of tentacles to this. So when I say that, and you say championship level, I think that Kalen DeBoer is inheriting a, a great roster. Nick Saban was a terrific recruiter. His assistants were recruit, very good recruiters. I think that DeBoer right off the bat can have a championship level team. The key is sustaining it. So if I can add that word to it, I think it's harder to sustain success after you've replaced a legend than it is to rebuild a program. We have seen, uh, from Tennessee's perspective, Josh Heupel rebuilt it, okay, pretty quickly. We saw DeBoer going to Washington. He inherited a 4-8 and eight team. He got in the national championship game two years later. We've seen Steve Sarkeesian rebuild Texas. The key on all of that other part, though, is trying to sustain it. Look at look how many coaches Alabama went through before they really had great success. 
Now, and I, Gene Stallings did a really nice job for his seven years or so, but it was hard for them to do it. Uh, it was hard for, I mean, look at the Lady Vols with Pat Summit. They have struggled in replacing her and playing at a championship level. So I'm going to say it's harder to replace a legend and sustain success than it is to rebuild a mess of a program like what Jeremy Pruitt left Tennessee. I, w- I, I would tend to agree with that. Caleb, I want um, I, I want your thoughts. Today's tough question, and you can vote on YouTube here in just a moment. Um, today's tough question, more difficult to replace a disaster of a coach or a legend and, and get back to a championship level. Brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com, realtor with over 40 years of experience in his office, Andy Mason Real Estate. Dot com and best prices, best service in the biz. It's that simple real estate in Knoxville that you just can't beat. Caleb? I think, Jimmy, I love you. I love you a lot because you care about my welfare and Dave doesn't. But I, um, I think <laughs> you and I think where Dave's going to go. I didn't, I, make you, y'all wait are... a second. I didn't make you drive into work this morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> we never drive into work. Spoiler alert. But uh, um, I think you guys mistake what just naturally happens most of the time head coaches are hired with what happens when you follow follow a legend. I don't think there's any merit to following a legend with one exception. With one exception. When you try to replace the legend, when you try to recreate the legend. And what I mean by that is this. I think let's just call it what it is. Most coaching hires fail, particularly at the top level. Most coaching hires fail. And Alabama had a string of failed coaches before Bear Bryant. Then they had a string of failed coaches before Jing Stallings. Then they had a string of failed coaches before Nick Saban. That's because most coaching hires fail. It just stands out more when they follow a legend. But I I think the only reason you bring up the Lady Vols following Pat Summit, the reason the Lady Vols are failing is because, let's just be honest, the power players on the Tennessee women's basketball team, stupidly, I might say, want to recreate Pat Summit with every hire they make. The reason Alabama failed following Bear Bryant for so long was because they made the worst hire in history in Ray Perkins. And then they made another dumb hire in Bill Curry. And they basically were like, if you touched Bear Bryant's pants one day, you're qualified to coach at Alabama. And But but look at something like Notre Dame when they had uh, Asa Parsigan. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I never got it right. Parsigan. Era Parsigan. Parsigan. That Asa Parsigan, he won two national titles – he leaves. What do they do? They smartly go, we're going to hire Dan Devine, who had no connection to ASA whatsoever or the program. He goes and wins a national championship. They take a shot in the jar- dark on Jerry Faust, and it doesn't work. But then they come back and say, okay, we'll go get Lou Holtz. And he wins a national championship. You can look at you look at um, Bob Devaney at Nebraska. Two national titles. He steps down, and they go, you know what? We'll go get Tom Osborne. And he becomes a legend on his own. I think – I don't think – just following a legend is what makes it hard. I just think most of the time coaching hires fail and they stand out more when you're following a legend. Okay. I don't see it that way. You've given me a couple of examples. I can give you more examples of trying to replace a legend that have failed. But to my point, and, and again, I'm trying, I'm talking about sustaining success afterward. Okay. And granted, some of those coaching hires afterward were not good hires. One example I'd give you related to Tennessee would be this. So, and I would, I don't know that I'd say Doug Dickey was a legend, but he had a great run at Tennessee before he left for Florida. So Bill Battle comes in and he wins 10 games for the next three years. And then he falls off the map and he gets fired because the program took a dive, a significant dive. That's where, and and I remember um, 
Larry Coker going to Miami, replacing Butch Davis, who had things set up for him. Coker wins right away, but then the longer he was there, the more failed failed teams he had because he couldn't sustain success. I just think it's hard. And, and in this era, what's going to happen with Kalen DeBoer? Well, Nick didn't do it that way. Well, Nick didn't do that. Well, Nick recruited better. Well, Nick wouldn't have lost that game. I think – and there's more scrutiny on it now than ever. I think we'd agree with that. So with every misstep that DeBoer has, and he's going to have some, and every lost game is going to be, well, that wouldn't happen if Nick was here. I think that scrutiny makes it harder now to follow a legend than ever before. Jimmy, I think uh, it's it's two words, transfer portal, which I, I would say makes it more difficult to replace a legend now. I think a lot of a lot of Alabama players went to Alabama because Nick Saban, because mm-hmm. they might take less NIL money because he's going to get them to the NFL. Right. So I, I think transfer portal is the difference. Look at Larry Coker, what he inherited. Was Larry Coker an elite coach? No, probably not. No, but he, but he, but he won a championship. Uh, Kalen DeBoer's not going to inherit the roster that Nick Saban would have had this year because he's going to have at least, I would think, a half dozen to ten bolt for the the portal. He probably will. I don't know what that final number is going to be, uh, but he probably will. But he lost a tight end to Tennessee, but that tight end wasn't great. So I, I'll, I'll be curious to see how many he does leave. I think one reason Alabama – and look, when Saban retired, I made a comment to a buddy of mine, the first guy I'd go after is Kalen DeBoer because the guy's 104 and 12 in three different schools. Now, I understand one of them was at Sioux Falls. I get that. But I think he's a great coach. And I think they move fast to try to offset, Dave, what you're talking about. If they didn't move fast, how many players do you think they'd have lost in the portal? More. Yes. And I, and so I, I think they went after their number one guy and they got him and they did it quickly. I think they did as good as they could do under the circumstances. So, but I do think they moved quick. And then, and then you saw Washington move quickly to hire somebody to replace the board because they didn't want a mass exodus in the portal. So I do think the transfer portal makes it more difficult. It also makes schools hire somebody quickly, more quickly perhaps than they could or should just to make sure they don't lose a lot of players in the portal. Totally agree. Caleb? But, okay, so here's where I'm – the things you guys are bringing up, the transfer portal, um, coaching hires that fail, that's not – I don't necessarily think it's tied to replacing a legend. Like, you're right, Jimmy. You can name a bunch of coaches that have replaced legends that have failed. I can just name you a bunch of coaches that have failed. I don't need to point out replacing – I would say the <laughs> – I mean, I would say the success rate – of following you bring up sustained success i think sustained success is equally hard whether or not you replace the legend i think success rate that we're talking about i think if you really broke it down analytically would be no different for coaches who follow a legend than it is for coaches just in general because look at this level i, I could get i would say 75 percent of coaching hi- hires fail i mean florida's fired how many coaches tennessee's fired how many coaches alabama fired how many coaches and it came way after they were following legends. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt sure as heck wasn't following a legend. <laughs> and he I think that, he's it depends on who you ask. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask Butch Jones. True. <laughs> uh, Caleb, I think, I think, too, along those lines, and I see what you're saying. Most coaching hires do fail. The vast majority don't work out well. Yeah. You don't hire a Saban every, every year um, somewhere in, in the nation. But 
Jimmy, I think there's an intangible too um, of fans that if they see a nine win season at Alabama, then it's probably overreaction time. I don't know how to quantify that. Caleb's better at quantifying things than me, but, and it sure doesn't help that Nick Saban's going to have an office down the hall from Kalen DeBoer. So in the stadium, as a matter of fact. So I think there's an intangible there that I can't really put my finger on, but I think following a legend comes with uh, meeting expectations and his expectations are as darn good as they get. They, They are. Uh, and and now the tricky thing about this, and, and look, Caleb's right. There are a lot of failed coaching hires, and Tennessee's had their share of them. Other programs have had their share of them. But what what can also happen is that when the new coach comes in, he can succeed right away because of what he inherits. Look, does anybody think Les Miles is a great coach? But he won a national championship at LSU because of what Nick Saban left him. Okay, mm-hmm. so so he succeeded for a while. And it didn't totally fall off the map, but the program went down. And that's what and I mentioned Bill Battle. He succeeded the first three years, but then it went down. And so I can see a, a coach coming in right after, because a lot of times a legend will leave the program in good shape. Now, today's point, it maybe it's harder to leave it in good shape because pl- players are transferring out. And now that you can transfer on a snap of the finger, it's going to make it even harder to keep players. So. Uh, it's, it, I, I do think though, that there's an inherent pressure with trying to replace somebody that was a great coach. And it's going to be difficult to do that because he gets compared so much to the previous regime. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's get to four downs because if you have, let me jump in real quick. Cause I just, yes, sorry, go for, go for. I, I will bolster your point on this, Jimmy. I think one thing that makes it harder is the administration relaxes and rests on its laurels when the legend builds up the program. Alabama right now does not have a top 20 NIL collective. I told Dave this yesterday because boosters stupidly think that they're going to continue to recruit the way they've recruited in the past with Saban. And I'll, I, I, just to quickly bolster your point, not just Doug Dickey, Robert Nealon. I mean, Harvey Robinson and Bowden Wyatt. I know Wyatt had the 56 season, but Tennessee State committed to the single wing when it was way too outdated in the early 60s. Yeah. And it took Doug Dickey to come in and say, all right, guys, we got to change everything about this program. <clears throat> yeah. We need to, to bring the Renaissance in. So I, I'll, I'll, I think, I don't know if it's the coach. I will say the hard part is administration sometimes don't believe they have to do anything to stay ahead of the curve when a coach builds up a program. And and I think also you're going to have to go to a lot of boosters and say, we may need more NIL money than necessarily money that goes to the university, which is a whole different um, (laughs) situation because they haven't had to give as much NIL money because of Saban's success. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Speaking of NIL, great column by Jimmy Himes on Off the Hook Sports, and that leads us into four, uh, four downs. And that's brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Their Athens showroom is tremendous. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. 
All righty. So here we go. Have you have you been in uh, in the hot tub yet with uh, Cooper Mace, Jimmy? No, I have not. I can't believe I missed that opportunity. Okay, Coop, what do we do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. All right, so let's jump in the hot tub uh, brought to you by Dynasty Spas. It's four downs, a first down, Coop. Coop here, first down. All right, so Jimmy's column is about the issues with uh, NIL, which I think we would all agree that there are some, and the transfer portal as well. So he's got some suggestions that could help uh, NIL currently, which is the wild, wild west. Number one, first down, is a cap. Uh, I want to ask you how you would enforce that, or would we just get back to the point where guys are getting money under the table? Well, uh, how would you enforce it? I guess the same way the NFL enforces it. You put a salary cap, and this is the most that you can pay. And if you want to pay your quarterback 90% of that salary cap, go ahead. But I don't think we can sustain the current model because and, and Dave, you pointed this out a minute ago. So now you're you won't play you want boosters to pay for the NIL, but not donate to the school. Because a lot of them aren't going to do both. So you're going to let Neyland Stadium rot and not renovate it. So how do you how do you deal with that? So I, I think there should be a cap. Look, the NCAA is a voluntary organization, right? And they can put in a cap just like the NFL does. And then you, you the teams have to stay within that cap. The 130 or so FBS teams have to agree on the cap. Maybe it's 28 million, maybe it's 30 million, maybe it's 22 million, whatever it is. They need to agree on a number just like the NFL teams do and then enforce it. Are they going to pay uh, players under the table? Maybe it goes back to some of that. But I'd, I would rather – I'd rather have a salary cap to try to bring some reasonability to this than just have it wide open where you got one school maybe paying $50 million in NIL and another school paying $5 million in NIL money. Jimmy, can I ask you just one question about the cap? Here's what concerns me because, as, as we know, there's no players' union in college football. So wouldn't a hard cap just be a way for the NCAA or whoever's running the sport at the time to put more money back into their pockets the way the NFL NFL owners have a salary cap so they can make sure they keep more money for themselves and not the players? And so wouldn't if you do a salary cap, wouldn't you at least have to have the players unionize at that point to say, well, this amount has to be spent on us if you're going to do that? No, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that you have to unionize it because I think that all those programs are going to spend it. It's, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think Alabama is going to say, you know what, we need to make a profit, so we're not going to spend all $25 million. We're going to spend $15 million. And, oh, okay, maybe we don't compete for a championship. That's not going to fly at Alabama or Georgia or, or Southern Cal or Texas in a lot of these schools. They are going to spend all of that money to try to put the best product on the field. Here's the other thing, too. Now, I, I admit it's hard to figure out who to believe. But if you believe the numbers that are put out, there are very, very few athletic departments in the country that make money. Most of them lose money. That's coming from the NCAA uh, 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 releases that they put out. And I remember Tennessee. Tennessee has, not that many years ago, lost $5 million in the athletic department in a given year. Part of that was their own fault. Why? Because they were paying off coaches. But 
I don't think these athletic departments are rolling in money. Yes, they've got $200 million. Some of them do. But a lot of it's allocated. And don't forget the role that Title IX and women's sports plays in this. Because there's already been a lawsuit from a woman saying the men athletes are getting more than we're getting. So she files suit saying that the women should get more. At least if you put a salary cap in place, then you can – uh, you can at least justify the amount of money you're paying and you don't overpay in a lot of instances and have Title IX breathing down your neck. Ways to fix NIL in the transfer portal. We're in the hot tub with uh, Cooper Mays and it's brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Their showroom in Athens is absolutely tremendous and they also have delivery so they can get you a spa up in Knoxville or Chattanooga. And I'm telling you what, they've got the best pool chemicals and spa chemicals that you can order online. DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com. DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com. All you have to do is mention Off the Hook Sports. Get $500 off your spa. You will love it. Great for all four seasons. Four down. Second down. Cooper Mays here. Second down. Right, Jimmy, transparency. Amen, brother. Um, because I think this not only creates a an issue and a lot of misinformation in the media with guys like us and among fans. I think it's created some issues in the locker room where you hear no a guys where you hear a guy's making kajillions of dollars where maybe he's not. Uh transparency I'm all for and I'm kind of surprised that's not a law given that this is uh Tennessee and other schools are governmentally funded. So that that I don't know why there's not transparency already, to be honest with you. I don't either. And I know that's something that Nick Saban uh, wanted uh, before he retired. He brought that up at the SEC spring meetings multiple times about how they need to to come forward and say what the and, – and, and part of the transparency would also eliminate some of the bad contracts that some of these student athletes are signing. For example, I was told about one student athlete signing the contract, and he didn't realize it. And it bound him to a car dealership five years into his what would be his pro career. Well, that's a bad contract. Now, if there had been some transparency and maybe they had seen it, maybe they could have corrected that. So it can protect the student athlete also. But I do think there needs to be. I am convinced, at least to a degree, that the Jeremy Banks slash Hendon Hooker kerfuffle or whatever you want to call it was created in part by Banks challenging Hooker on the amount he was making on NIL and Banks wasn't. And I'm convinced that Texas A&M imploded under Jimbo Fisher because they paid a whole bunch of incoming players money, a lot of it undisclosed, and the veterans that were starting were getting nothing or little, and they got mad, and so they revolted. So I I think just make it transparent, come out, this is what you're making, and uh, I think that would solve a lot of these problems. All right, let's get to third down, brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here, third down. Go for it, Caleb. Jimmy, I'm one-on-one. I somewhat disagree with you about the cap, but I fully agree with you with transparency. Um, The third one I do think is one that's another win-win for players that you bring up, which is limiting transfers uh, to just one undergraduate and one graduate. And I'm totally a fan of that. Um, I think not just for the school, but I think players are so short-sighted they're throwing away potential free degrees uh, yes. if they're not NFL players by constantly hitting the portal. So, and because 19 year olds don't make smart decisions. So I'm a huge fan yeah. of this one. 
Well, and, and you mentioned earlier about how a lot of schools make bad hires. They do. A lot of players make bad decisions because they all think they're going to play in the NFL, or at least most of them do. What percentage go to the NFL and make it the NFL? It's a very, very small percentage. The percentage of Georgia and Alabama players is pretty darn good. The percentage of players at Georgia State and Alabama A&M isn't very good, right? So there, there's – and I realize they're not all Division One, but – the point is that you don't have that many players that make it in the NFL. What I don't like also is a lot of players on scholarship hit the portal and they end up overvaluing themselves. And the next thing you know, they don't have a scholarship. They don't have a team. They don't have a home. But I also think it's underrated, the Kato, the point you made, that a lot of them get a degree and they come out with no debt, no debt. We've seen, and there's this big debate in Congress now about forgiving college debt. There are millions of college students that are paying debt. The college athlete on full scholarship does not have debt when he leaves college. Uh, I hear that. And uh, let's get to fourth down right now, Coop. All SEC Center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. All right, so this one I like a lot, Uh, a two-year commitment. You should have to – and listen, if you want to – sit out a year like the old transfer rules you go to a school you don't like it fine sit out um but i i to me a two-year commitment seems very fair when you go to a school given it you know six months in some cases with a transfer portal and in in late spring is just doesn't seem like a long enough time to see if everybody jobs well the rule now is you can enroll at the school in july and you can transfer in December. And if you don't like that, you can transfer again. If you don't like that, you can transfer again. If you don't like that, you can transfer again. That's where we are. That's not healthy for anybody, including the player. So, and I also think that many people, and I've heard this from Tennessee in particular, because that's a program I cover. There are a lot of players at Tennessee that after their first year would have probably transferred, but they stayed here and they became stars, all SEC players, even almost all Americans. But there were a lot of them that that first year, you're a little bit homesick. You're trying to adjust to college. Uh, you're trying to adjust to playing in college. Uh, I, I just think – and then the schools – actually, there's schools that commit a lot of money into recruiting some of these players. So once you get that player and you win this recruiting battle and they pull your hat out at that recruiting signing day, right now you're only guaranteed you got one year out of them. I, I, th- I just think that you can make a better decision if you have to stay two years. I know that's not going to pass. I get it. But I think it would help correct some of the problems. Yeah. I, I, th- I think a lot of us, uh, we, we have these uh, hopes and dreams that we know the NCAA is not going to do, like the playoff. You and I talked about a playoff, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. And it only took 20 years to have one. Yeah. I'm, and now people I'll like me aren't fans of it. <laughs> sorry. Well, I'm sorry, Caleb. But uh, – Back when I, got, I first got started, and I was a 16-year-old sports editor of a newspaper in 1972, one of my columns was I outlined a 16-team playoff in 1972. And they still hadn't got to but 12. <laughs> so maybe maybe before I die, they'll get to 16. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that you're right. We've talked about that for many, many years. And that certainly is a, a monetary move. There's no question about that. Uh it's also pretty taxing on these college athletes. They're not full grown like some of these NFL players that have to play 20 games. That's, that's a challenge, I think, for these college athletes, football players in particular. 
Absolutely. Uh, follow Jimmy Himes at Jimmy Himes. Don't follow fakes. Um, and we certainly, because <laughs> there's a lot. Jimmy has more fake uh, Twitter uh, tweet Twitter people. What would you call them? The uh, Twitter handles than anybody I know. But it's at Jimmy Himes. You can follow him. Follow him. He's the one with a lot of followers. That's the, that's the easiest way to tell a difference. And we we certainly appreciate your time and uh, working with Off the Hook Sports. And I've seen your pictures. Stay safe out in that snow. Go go play in the snow. Have you gone sledding or snowball fight anything yet? No. Well, I don't want to say too much. I had COVID. I was down for about 10 or 12 days, so I didn't get out at all. And now it's like one degree outside. I'm sorry. Let me update that. Two degrees. So, uh, which I'm not sure if I could tell the difference if I went out. I'm, I'm not big into getting out in this stuff. And since I'm just coming off an illness, I don't want to expose myself to potential getting sick. But I am concerned about how Caleb's doing. Caleb, you doing all right? Because I'm concerned about oh, your welfare. Thank you. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm doing tremendous, uh, Jimmy. Yeah. I, I am. I yeah. am. I uh, yeah. I will say I'm waiting for someone <laughs> to do a a fake account of you on X and and it be an OnlyFans. I'm waiting for that one. So <laughs> I'm impressed. That's the first time we've called it X. Yeah, like right. on the program. There are people that want to X me out. There was, Dave, this is absolutely true. There was a time during a coaching search, I think it was after Butch Jones, I had 24 fake accounts. And I remember Will West said, oh, you should be flattered. I wasn't flattered when they were reporting stuff that I didn't say. For example, Tennessee has hired Hugh Freeze. Tennessee has hired John Gruden, which I adamantly for years said that ain't going to happen. So sometimes you get stuff out there that's, that gets attributed to you that's wrong. It's actually, I don't want to name names, but it's cost me two relationships with Tennessee football players who thought I said negative stuff about them when I didn't. And they that's didn't funny. believe me when I tried to correct it. So I wasn't yeah. a big fan of all this fake Twitter account. So yeah, please make sure you're looking at my account. And it's the one that the last time I looked at 62,000 followers. So it's somewhere in that range. Yep. Uh, Jimmy, uh, I'm going to let you out of here, but we're going to talk Tyler Barron here in just a second, and he switched schools uh, again. And I'm just curious why you think he and Tennessee couldn't work things out and him remain of all. Was that a little bit of both parties? Was it Tyler? Was it the coaches saying maybe you should go? I mean, he's a solid player, but it seems like he's always looking for the next best deal. Uh, this is uh, based in large part on the source. I think he continued to butt heads with Rodney Garner. Rodney's hard to play for. He he can get after you. And, and to a lesser degree, Rick Barnes can be hard to play for too. We've seen a number of players leave that program because they couldn't handle hard coaching. I don't think Tyler Barron could handle hard coaching. I think that's why he left. Uh, I am told that Tennessee, although they haven't signed that many, that they are actually offering, making really good offers in the NIL uh, space but they're getting outbid by a lot of people. So wow. that that's that's hurt them. It's not that they didn't have the money. It's just we think this player's valued at, I don't know, pick a number, 100000 but somebody else offered them 200000 So they're losing players in that regard. But I think Barron was butting heads with Garner, and I think him leaving Ole Miss to Louisville was strictly about money. Yeah. Um, that's, I'm sure Tennessee fans are very empathetic for Lane Kiffin. Losing Tyler Barron, I'm sure. <laughs> losing sleep at night um, or in a snow nap. Oh, no. Lane and Tyler, things aren't going well for them. 
They also lost Taryn, to Marion McDonald. Yep, they did. Left too, so. They did. Yep. Jimmy, right. great stuff. Uh, certainly appreciate your time. And uh, stay safe, my man. Keep getting better and enjoy that snow. And uh, it's it's gorgeous uh, in Knoxville, yeah, so enjoy pretty. it. It is pretty. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Caleb. Y'all take care. He is Jimmy Himes. Uh, I'm Dave Hooker with Caleb Calhoun. So the deal with Tyler Barron, I want to discuss that next. And while I'm not even sure that that's a loss in the portal, Jimmy teased it. I can't do a better job. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you two minutes and we're back off the hook sports. Sun, sand, and saltwater. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, I gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Interesting insight from Jimmy Himes on Tyler Barron, who just on the surface you would have said is probably Tennessee's biggest loss in the transfer portal on the surface, maybe. Um we will discuss that right now as he is now flipped from Old Miss to Louisville. I don't think this is what the transfer portal was supposed to be. How many snaps did he play for Old Miss? Oh, he played zero. Zero. Absolutely <laughs> none. Um, so it, it, flipping from Old Miss to Louisville is a sign that you want to get more money. And I would argue a drop down a little bit in talent. He could be more successful there. Although, as Jimmy said, it's probably just about the money. That leads us to what the 
H, and it's brought to you by Don Self, your state farm agent in the Chattanooga area. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. It sounds crazy to say this. I think Tyler Barron, I think Tennessee might be better off without Tyler Barron. And if you can, give me his stats first, because I want to be fair to the player and I want to be fair to uh, everybody listening when I give you my opinion, because he's a solid player. I don't think there's any question. Give me his stats um, last year and, and, and how he's progressed into being one of, I wouldn't say elite defensive ends, but one of the better defensive ends in the SEC. So last year, Tyler Barron, it was his first full year starting because for those who don't remember, he actually in 2021 lost his starting job to Byron Young and was a backup to Byron Young for two years. So last year he becomes a full-time starter. He has 10 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, 28 total tackles, 16 of which were solo, two pass deflections, a fumble recovery for a touchdown. And most of us agree that that six sacks could have been 10 if people had, at, to be fair to him, if refs had not missed so many holding calls on Tyler Barron this year, which there were a lot of. And I just think it was bad luck, quite honestly, with missed holding calls. But yeah, so those are his numbers. Right. Well, we we could discuss officiating for a long time. I'm, I'm going to ask you this. I want to give you a second to think about it. Is Tennessee at the point at their roster that they can make decisions based off intangibles? In other words, as Jimmy said, Jimmy Himes said earlier on the program, by the way, we're live at 10 a.m. weekday, so love for you to listen to the whole program uh, instead of just the videos, if that's what you're listening to now. Um, Jimmy said Tyler Barron didn't get along with the coaching staff. Is is Tennessee to the point where they can make personnel decisions based off intangibles and not just talent? That's the question I want to ask you, and it's brought to you by Don Self, your State Farm agent in the Chattanooga area, College Dell and Ootawa. Call 423-396-2126. The number's right below. Or go to donself.net. Over 40 years, built their business and reputation and taking care of their customers. Your State Farm agent, customer service still matters. I know you're shopping for quotes, but what happens when you send in that claim? Uh, that's donself, donself.net. So are they at that point where you don't have to you don't have to bend a little bit? Like I'll use the James Banks um uh, situation. Tennessee was starting, their coaching staff was starting to catch some heat. They knew James Banks was a special player. So special players headed by James Banks got a little bit of leeway in terms of discipline. I can remember one time when James Banks was told to run the field during practice. And instead, I've told you this before, he just stood on the sideline and did deep knee or air squats is what you would call it. So my question for you is Tennessee had to give a little bit because there was some pressure on them at the time. Tennessee has probably had to give a little bit with Tyler Barron to get the 2023 season out of him. Are they past the point where they have to give? Because at some point, if you give too much leeway to too many players, it destroys your locker room chemistry. So are they at that point with their roster where they can say, hey, you may be really good. I'm talking like James Pierce had a, an off-the-field incident. 
where you could say, I'm sorry, this isn't working out. You're a great player, but you have to go. Are they at that point? Or are they a ways away from there? Depends on the position. And I think edge rusher, they're easily at that point. I mean, they are so easily at that point at edge rusher. They're so deep at edge rusher, guys, that we talked about yesterday. Tennessee is about to become edge rusher you. Um, they don't just have Tyler Bear and they have Joshua Josephs, who I think is a future superstar on the defensive line, too. They've recruited very well on the defensive line because I think that just in general, that's been a focus. And with Rodney Garner, they're going to continue to recruit at that high of a level. So because of that, I think the edge rusher position is one where they don't have to worry at all. I mean, you got other guys that are still there. Shandavian Bradley, Caleb Herring, I believe Tyree Weathersby. Um, Tyree West can even line up on the edge sometimes. He doesn't most of the time. David Hobbs. Uh, Dave, I'm just naming off guys that were freshmen that we all that we think all of them have a potential to be a superstar going into the future. And that doesn't even include this upcoming class. Oh, Jason Jenkins is another one. I mean, and that doesn't include this upcoming class where I believe Jordan Ross is in the class, who was a high, highly touted edge rusher. So I think because at edge rusher, they're definitely ready. And so I think edge rusher and receiver, they can afford to look at intangibles. I'm going to be honest. If Boo Carter was a head case coming in as a recruit. I don't believe he is. We've heard rumors, but say hypothetically he was. I think they make a few concessions for Boo Carter right now because they need help in the secondary. And I think you make a few concessions for James Pierce, too. I mean, he he had the traffic incident, which is nothing serious. But if he had another traffic incident tomorrow, I think he's that good where you don't boot him. Um, and I know that's sure. I, well, I know that sounds insane, but I. You're you're not fielding a championship team with a bunch of choir boys. I so think... I don't. I mean, to me, his his issue was uh, in between minor and major. Uh, major to me is like a you've got one more strike and you're out. I don't know if that's necessarily uh, a one more strike and you're out situation, but you're right. It depends on the position, and you have to be pragmatic. You can't be altruistic in these decisions. Well, I'm going to stand on my high horse and you're out of here because we're the University of Tennessee and that's what they do. If Nico got a DUI tomorrow, do you think he's gone? (laughs) Absolutely not. No, and this is funny because it's funny you bring that up. This was one of the things that unraveled Fulmer was he started making concessions for players he didn't have to make concessions for. Hint, hint, Britton Colquitt. I'm going to keep Britton Colquitt on the team after crashing his car in a DUI when he'd already had multiple issues, and you wouldn't even kick your punter off the team. Come on now. Your punter? Do you really need – I mean – I think that that was some – I think that's a different issue. I think there are family issues being that Colquitt was such a huge part of Tennessee's history, and I think they thought Britton was a good dude that just liked to party too much, which I've been told by one of his ex-girlfriends that that was the case. So um, to Marion McDonald, I'm not going to name her as a source. To Marion McDonald uh, flips two from Ole Miss to Louisville. Yeah. He's a totally different situation, in my opinion. Tyler Barron was a borderline all-SEC player if he had his head on straight, in my opinion. I don't think to Marion McDonald is a great player. So to me, I don't care if he really has an attitude issue or not. I know Tennessee could use defensive backs, but... I think they were probably cool with him cruising out too. You? So I wanted to get a take. I wanted to give an overall take on both of these guys real quick. First, I haven't, I need to address Tyler Barron because I haven't addressed him specifically yet. One of the reasons you won't miss him 
is I'm sorry, but like the level of short sightedness and level of intelligence. If you're Tyler Bannon, I hate to go here, Dave. We talk about tripping over nickels and placed in search of millions. Tyler Barron is the worst example of this possible because totally agree. Yeah. Let me just break down what's happening here, guys. And I want to break this down clearly. I told you guys yesterday, James Pierce might set the school record for sacks next year. Tennessee, they're designed, and you know this, they are, it, it is a school designed for edge rushers to rack up stats because of this offensive system, what Rodney Garner does and the scheme Tim Banks runs. If there's one thing that's going to have, if there's one position that's going to rack up stats, it's edge rusher, even more than quarterback or receiver. You're going to get a lot of sacks. With Nico Iamaliava at quarterback next year, you're going to have even more chances because so many teams are going to throw it. Tyler Barron had a chance to get like 12 sacks next year, while James Pierce got 16 on the other side. But we were talking generational season if he stayed. And he threw that away for NIL money in a senior season, which is so dumb, I can't honestly process it. I don't know how good Tennessee is going to be next year, but I knew Tyler Barron was going to rack up stats and make himself a top five uh, a top three NFL top three round NFL draft pick. So this is so next level dumb. And then he goes from Ole Miss to Louisville. And then to, now to Mary McDonald, I don't mind him following NIL because he's not going to the NFL, Dave. He needs that NIL money, <laughs> but Tyler Barron is next level dumb. But here's where I'm at. Ole Miss gets them both and loses them. And it's clear they're following NIL money. Do you think Ole Miss wrote some NIL checks? They can't cash with Lane Kiffin in the portal. I think that's season? a real possibility. Yeah, I, and let's dive into that. First, your your thoughts, because you gave great wrap-up on Barron, but thoughts on McDonald. Because where I stand is that if he so much as jaywalked, I wouldn't care if he left. And I and think McDonald is I think McDonald is smart to follow NIL money because there's never going to be NFL money for him. So take the NIL money. So he's a player that I'm like, you know what? Follow the NIL. Um, because the NIL, he'll make more NIL than he ever will NFL. Sorry. Wow. Uh, but that's different from certainly, uh, Tyler Barron, but as a big picture thing, do you think the roster, and I know it depends on position, but all things being equal and they're not, I'm asking you an impossible question is Tennessee's roster able to give up a borderline all SEC player to make sure that their team culture and which I think is excellent, excellent to make sure that their team culture is it remains strong. Are they at that point or could they use another year of bringing some some guys in? They are not at that point at most positions. They are at that point, though, at edge rusher, probably defensive tackle and probably wide receiver. Um, I will also say, though, the only reason they're at those points, the only reason they're at that point at defensive line, I'm going to be honest, is partially because you bring him up. Rodney Garner establishes that culture. I mean, who is a defensive tackle on Tennessee's roster, Dave, that you don't think is just a good dude and like a very committed player that has the right head on and attitude to everything? On Tennessee's roster right now? At defensive tackle, yeah. There's nobody that, that does not have the right, their head on right. Not to my knowledge, no. Yeah, they are... Very good with their chemistry. Amari Thomas is, I don't know if he's the best defensive tackle. I think he's a great leader. And I think this may be a big reason why I heard, and you heard some reports, I heard that Tennessee kind of backed off going after Walter Nolan, specifically because of this, that they had such a good culture on the defensive line that they didn't want to mess with it. Um, I, I wouldn't be stunned. Also, the dollars. Again, Tennessee is in a position where they've had to pay a lot of their players 
just to stay. I wouldn't be surprised if they backed off Walter Nolan because I think he wanted to get paid. I think that's why he went to A&M in the first place. At least that's the the way I see it. Uh, speaking of uh, the way I see it, I see without contacts or glasses. Thanks to Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination. CCTIs.com. CCTIs.com. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Tyler Barron's career. My prediction is he makes it into the NFL. He has some sort of issue with a contract. He has some sort of issue with the coach he's playing for. And he's a one contract player in the NFL. Because I think he has the ability, but this flipping school to school to school um, especially you're leaving Rodney Garner. My, I mean, my goodness, that's like a defensive back leaving Saban in his prime. It might be hard, but if you get through it, I mean, there are all kinds of advantages to getting through uh, a Nick Saban coaching or Rodney Garner coaching. That's what just befuddles me. I, I kind of look at it like this. When you go to college when i went to ut the first two years i don't know about you caleb were awful you had to take uh good lord chemistry and calculus too and all this stuff and it was awful and then the last two years were more about your major which was broadcasting and communications i look at it like that i busted my butt for two years and stuff i hated and had to force myself to get up and get out of bed and go to class because i didn't care about these subjects but then the last two years and the following career have worked out for me and tyler Barron was under Rodney Garner and had a chance to develop. I think that's what's so frustrating. I agree. And it's funny because there's all you always see in college, there's people their last two years, and it was me too. You know, you always party really hard your freshman and sophomore years. And your last two years, you're much more studious. It's because you want to be more studious because you love what you're doing with your work. And I agree. This is so short-sighted by Tyler Barron. And, you know, you bring up a point. I was thinking about not paying attention to character and intangibles. And you know better than me when Lane Kiffin was at Tennessee with that one recruiting class, he did not care about intangibles whatsoever when he brought in that recruiting class. And now he's doing the same thing at Ole Miss, not caring about intangibles. And again, Ole Miss is writing NIL checks they can't cash. I've gone from last week thinking Ole Miss had a title contender. Dave, I think this is all going to implode at Ole Miss now. I do. I think the whole, I think Lane Kiffin is taking a, is trying going for a home run and he's going to strike out. And you tell uh, me if you think I'm crazy. I think you could be right, and uh, let's let's go ahead and dive into that. Travis says, can I still do calculus? No. No, fortunately, my best friend growing up, she was actually in my class, so she allowed me to cheat off her. I'll just be honest with you. That's what I did. Derek says, without the struggle and anguish comes no reward and joyfulness. I completely agree. Now, Ole Miss, you said, could be a national title contender. Suddenly, they have guys that have committed to them in the transfer portal that can that are going elsewhere. Now, you lose a player like McDonald and Barron. Those are SEC players. Those are starters, right? But at the same time, I think you lose some integrity because Lane Kiffin has gone out and promised these guys and bragged about it on Twitter that you can come to Ole Miss. And we know on the front end that he had monetary issues in the NIL because he's complained about it openly. He's asked boosters for more money. So we know he's short on cash, Caleb. Yet he goes out, and I'm thinking to myself during all this, 
where is Lane getting more money? Is there one magic booster that said, uh, hey, I've got this, uh, I- I've got these convenience stores and I want to start giving a lot more money to NIL? Maybe there's not. Maybe Lane just made a bunch of promises he can't keep. And if that's the case, it's going to hurt you next year, the year after, and the year after. And it could implode, great word, or undermine Ole Miss's program completely. Yeah, I think Lane Kiffin tried to force the booster's hands. I'm going to be honest. I think that's what he's trying to do. That is an incredible theory. Okay, so you're saying he went out and he promised this money. And then he went back to the boosters and he said, look what I put together. And if you want to win a championship, you better write the check. And then they say, wait a second. Have you ever run a business? Unfortunately, I have. Um, But have you ever run a business? I've got X allocated for marketing dollars. Tyler Barron ain't in X. It's not in that department. That's a very interesting theory. Yeah, that's my theory. Because here's what can you please it's similar, write a call. Can you please write that is tailor made for a Caleb Calhoun call? <laughs> oh, I probably could. You're right. Because here's where I can't okay, you know where I started thinking about this? So who saw this week? Because people believe that Jim Harbaugh is now interviewing with NFL. There's two rumors going around right now. Jim Harbaugh, people think he's gone. Others think he's doing all these interviews because he wants to negotiate a higher contract for Michigan and wants to make sure that he has a clause that he can't be fired for all his violations. Yeah, that's actually something he wants in his contract at Michigan. (laughs) Um, But the reason I bring that up is the Chargers tweeted out two days ago. They tweeted out, quote, yes, we've interviewed Jim Harbaugh. They were trying to force Jim Harbaugh's hand. You know that, Dave. I know that, right? They were trying to force Jim Harbaugh to commit to them because they wanted to make the same way, by the way, Bunny were bringing him up. Mal Moore went public saying we had Rich Rodriguez as an offer. Remember that in 2006? Yep. I do. T- and then he had egg on the face when Rich Rodriguez was like, I'm not playing your game. I'm staying at West Virginia. Um, I think that's what Lane's doing with Ole Miss. He's promising them these things and thinking the boosters will just cave later and go ahead and pay up. And so I, I think that's where he's going. And Lane's not beyond doing that. This is a guy that has, I mean, whatever you think it, not only did he not recruit character at Tennessee in 2009, he broke a lot of promises to quite a few players at Tennessee during that time too. I mean, he did. Oh yeah. He told them how awesome Tennessee was. And then he tried to get them to go to LA. There's not two mm-hmm. more different places in the world. I mean, none. <laughs> that's just a none. Fact. Uh, Travis says that is 100% down Lane's alley or Lane's lane. I, I would agree with that. But here's if you're Lane Kiffin, though, and, and he's getting older. He's my age. So I think he's 48. Um, you, you could play that Tennessee card that he played, leaving Tennessee after one year, because you're super young, right? right? You're running out of cards. If you burn bridges at Ole Miss and other schools see that, you can't just up and leave for a similar job. You're, you're going to burn the ultimate bridge. And I think he's trying to load up for one more year to get the Florida job personally. But what's Florida going to say, who has their own NIL issues, if Lane Kiffin has burned a bunch of NIL bridges in Oxford? They're not going to want to hire him. No, you're right. It's It's one of those things where it's like, it's like running a Ponzi scheme, isn't it? You keep moving things around to stay afloat, but eventually it's all going to crash down. Eventually it's all going to crash down. I mean, my example is, I know you bring up yeah. Bernie Madoff. I'll bring- <laughs> Caleb's throwing heat today. It's like, 
I, I, we all know the Bernie Madoff story, but the guy who managed the Fed, Alan Greenspan, from the 80s and the 90s, there were some market downturns in like 87 and 91 and 2000. And Greenspan kept saying, oh, we just move money here. We just move money here, lower interest rates here, and we're all fine. Well, eventually it all comes crashing down and it all came crashing down in 2008. And the, go ahead, go ahead. The entire philosophy was a total failure. Lane Kevin has been, his coaching career has been somewhat of a Ponzi scheme to this point. Gosh, yeah. Please write that column. SC Scout Guy says <laughs> someone will always take a chance on Joey Freshwater. And I don't mean this as, a, as an insult because I know SC Scout Guy is a South Carolina fan. South Carolina would be the level of program. To me, they're parallel to Ole Miss. Yes, another school like that would, would take a risk, but is a school that realistically can put together a national championship contender each and every year going to take a chance on Joey Freshwater if he implodes at Ole Miss and he's done what Caleb uh, has uh, alleged? No. I don't, I don't think one of the top 15, 20, 25 programs in the nation is going to take a chance on him if he's done some things behind the scenes. And don't think for a second all these athletic directors and coaches don't talk. They'll know. Everybody would know. There's only one school that would consider it because they have been reckless in their hires in the past, and that would be LSU, but they're committed to Brian Kelly. But if Brian Kelly wasn't there, I think LSU would give Lane Kiffin a call because I think LSU has – I mean – have they ever been steered away because of baggage when they made a hire for a coach Dave LSU? That's true. And uh, I want to give SC Scout guy the, the final word on this. Dave, I would put Tennessee on the same level of Ole Miss and South Carolina right now and for the past 20 years or so. I I would disagree just because of the overall uh, support of the program. I would say Tennessee's on a different level than South Carolina. But I, I don't want to get too too caught up in that. Um, I just think that integrity means an awful lot. And there are times that I've heard from people in coaching circles that uh, Lane Kiffin's integrity is absolutely a hundred percent intact because of a recent, um, I say recent within the past eight years or so uh, rededication uh, spiritually, and I've been told that on several occasions, and I don't, I don't necessarily doubt that. Um, and I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But if his integrity is lacking in this NIL thing, um, yeah, it's it's not a sin, but it's a good way to destroy your coaching career really quick, and it's a good way to get you run out of Ole Miss if you slip to a six or seven win season, which in his NIL game. Is in transfer portal game is always possible. It happened to AM. It can happen to any other school that relies on transfers to build a championship program instead of high school football recruiting. Oh, yeah, it definitely can. And here, here's the thing about integrity. Dave and I are we're not trying to be, and Dave will be the first, we're not trying to be sanctimonious. We know that most coaches have issues with. And we know all coaches push the limits of integrity, right, Dave? Is that is that a, is that fair to say? Like all the elite coaches, every coach pushes the, the limits of integrity, don't they? Yes. Some some do it better than others. Like they'll they'll say, "I don't want to know about it," but they kind of know, right? Right. But there's a isn't there a difference between pushing the limits of integrity and then just rubbing it in everybody's face that you have no integrity whatsoever? Like that 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 plays a little different, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, plays plays a lot different, definitely. Yeah, it it's like 
Yeah, exactly. So Lane Kiffin is kind of has always been one to kind of rub it in your face. Like I got no integrity. And what he would do, what a Lane defender would do is say, well, okay, but these other coaches score through rules. Yes, but Lane Kiffin so openly and brazenly does it and kind of openly and brazenly does things that like he he owns the fact, like if you watch him on, on, on Twitter, he jokingly owns the fact that he has a thing for younger women. He's made jokes about it on Twitter in the past. That's weird. Like, okay, Bruce Pearl, yes, he divorced his wife and went for a much younger woman. You don't see him bragging about him being into younger women, though. <laughs> Honestly, you just see him doing it. But Lane Kevin will actually joke about himself doing it. And so I, I feel like he so openly throws it in your face that you almost think, oh, man, that, that would just be even now. Now, again, before I go any further, Urban Meyer threw it in your face that he had no integrity. And I guarantee you, if Urban Meyer wanted a college job tomorrow, some school would call him. Some high-profile school. I, I, uh, I hate to get completely sidetracked, but thank you very much, Travis. I can't put up the picture, but apparently John Gruden is at uh, McGee Tyson Airport. And, <laughs> and Tennessee's not looking for a coach. Uh, but he's – I can't – I don't know how to – show it because there's curse words on the tweet, but he is looking at whoever took the picture of him as he's waiting on his plane. Like he's about to beat them like a minority because we know he doesn't like minorities. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Is that that rough to say? Um, And is there a way that you, you can pull this up without the curse words? And while you do that, I'll get us, I'll get us rolling. But, I want to retweet it, but I don't retweet curse words, and it's the bad ones. Um, I, I don't know there's any way to do that. Sorry. <laughs> I can put, pull up a picture of him at the airport, and good Lord, he's got a gut right now. But um, <laughs> it's, just um, all jump on. it's been rough times for John Gruden. Boy, I, I sure feel sorry for uh, racists. No, I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so... Was that, yeah, I was in a conversation with somebody recently. Have you ever heard of the shot called a dead Nazi? No. Have you ever heard of that shot? Okay. It's it's like Jägermeister and something else. And the guy said, well, that might be offensive to some people. And I said, yeah, Nazis. <laughs> exactly. Really well, in them. I was, I will tell you this. I was, um, I was a history major. And in college, we had a drink called Irish Car Bombs on St. Patty's Day, and none of my friends oh, Lord. knew what. Oh Lord! Yeah, none, of, not, none of my. You have not had nearly as many Irish Car Bombs as I have, young man. Do you know how offensive that is to people in Northern Ireland in the seventies? Like, and they didn't even get it. And, and and by the way, there's another one called Saki Bombing. That's that. Not debating whether or not the U.S. should have dropped the bombs, but like, like Saki Bombing. But yes, it's, um, so. I get all of that, but I wanted to get to the point just real quickly. I just wanted to stick on lane because I, I we were so sidetracked for a second. But do you think that does Lane? Do you think Lane is so good that because I talked about Urban Meyer and I thought about him because he rubbed it in his your face that he had no integrity. He did not care that you knew that he had no integrity. Do you think Lane? So if he could get a job, why couldn't Lane? Or is it that he has so much more cachet? Urban Meyer does at this point than Lane does that it doesn't matter because he's won so much. Um, I think Meyer has, I mean, I would take a chance on Meyer before I would Lane. You think he's a better coach or do you think yeah. he has more integrity? 
Do you think he has more no. integrity or? I don't yeah, know. I don't either. I mean, deep. Uh, I can verifiably say Urban Meyer cannot. You can't have less integrity than Urban Meyer. Okay, Urban Meyer is almost a Butch Jones sociopath. He's just smart. He's just a good coach. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he's just Apex, a good coach. Apex Apparel Group Design Brand Market. You have got to do this for your business. You've got to call Tyler eight six five nine one nine three thousand one. ApexApparelGroup.com. Right below ApexApparelGroup.com. Eight six five nine one nine. 3001 apex apparel group uh for your business still the i think one of the most offensive uh things that was was ever said um was by the yankees uh announcer the play-by-play guy at the time where he goes there's another a-bomb by a-rod next up hideki matsui oh Oops. my god that oh my god oh my gosh that actually happened. Oh. Hideki Matsui from Japan. Japan. Where oh. only oh. two A-bombs have been dropped. All right. Yeah, let's let's move, move on. Uh, we've had a fun time making fun of uh, Lane, Urban Meyer, uh, and the Yankees broadcaster. So, uh, By the way, we'll, but can we talk about, because we talk Nazis, Ole Miss boosters truly don't care. Wait, 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 wait. Because we talk Nazis. No, we don't. Uh, Ole Miss boosters clearly don't care about winning because for years they resisted. In the 70s, they fought integration when it would have helped them win. And in the 90s, they fought taking down, you know, seeing the South or ending, seeing the South will rise again at the end of. They were openly like fighting things that were going to be very a big turnoff on a national scale to top talent. They care about that stuff more than they actually do winning. They have a history of that. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So you, you had this question that I, I need you to. I always like to tee up uh, Caleb because uh, he, he, and I mean this as a compliment. He can be out there a little bit with his thinking. And I do mean this as a compliment, Caleb. Um, but w- at our 345 a.m production meeting he said do the Vols really have to recruit with uh Nico under center now I don't think you mean recruit forever uh, obviously they have to have talent around him what are you driving at here because uh I'm, I'm interested um I will say this I think Nico will recruit for Tennessee by his play I don't know if that's what you're driving at. What exactly are you driving at? Because sometimes at that 3.45 a.m. meeting, I just shut up and I and I want to hear it live. I don't do the show in the parking lot. What do you mean by does Tennessee have to recruit with, with Nico in tow? Does, okay, so Tennessee, we have seen this with players before. Johnny Manziel did this for Texas A&M during Kevin Sumlin's first three years there. Um, sometimes when you get a generational player, the success of that player, if they're there for more than a year. So I'm not pointing out Cam Newton because everybody knew Cam Newton was there for a year and everybody knew Cam Newton was gone after a year. So that one doesn't count. But if you get a player like Nico, who you know is there for at least two years, 
when you get a player like Peyton Manning to Tennessee in 1994, even they, their presence can help you recruit athletes because athletes will say, I want a chance to play for that guy. And I, I'm bringing up the transfer portal in this too, by the way. Now, by the way, Tennessee, is, by the way, Tennessee is not going to have to pay a bunch of players to stay after this year. They're going to slay it in the transfer portal heading into the oh, 2025 yeah. season. I don't want to get too far ahead, but just it's talking to somebody who gave me a little bit of insight. I mean, they had to pay some guys to stay, but go right ahead. That's where I'm at. And what, what happens in the, after the transfer portal in 20, after 2024, everybody who on a national scale is going to see how good Nico is. You, whatever our expectations are, you believe Nico is going to just wow everybody with how he plays. Right, Dave? Yes. Next year. And I've got a really good comparison. I think you'll like here, here when you're done. Okay. So I agree. Nico wells everybody. Tennessee doesn't have to pay a bunch of money to keep players so they can slate in the transfer portal. There will be receivers lining up outside and offensive linemen lining up outside to go play at Tennessee next year in the offseason of the transfer portal. And the other part is I think Nico with Josh Heupel is such a generational combination. We've seen this in the past. Um, it doesn't happen often, but you've seen, Dave, right, where a quarterback-coach combo is so good it makes up for the lack of talent everywhere else. Yes. And I mean, Cam Newton, that Auburn team was not good, right? No, how many players from that Auburn team played in the NFL? Oh, Cam. Oh, That's and there, there, there were a couple Nick linebackers. Fairley. There were a couple linebackers. Right. I think there were six players from that Auburn team that played in the NFL. But that's typically SEC teams have like 10 to 15 players that make it to the NFL. Auburn had six, and they still won a national title because Cam Newton was playing with Gus Malzahn. I think Nico and Josh Heupel is that same type of combination. So I don't care about the talent everywhere else. They're going to be so good together that Nico's just going to blow everybody away. And then you're going to see a lot of recruits and young players lining up to go to Tennessee at that point because they're going to be like, wow, this offense is just going to blow me away. I want to be a part of this. From a pure recruiting perspective, I'm going to make the comparison that uh, – Nico needs to be Mike Vick for Virginia Tech. And I was talking to an NFL scout, and he said that's what it takes. You either have to hire an incredible coach, which right now I wouldn't call Josh Heupel incredible. I would call him very, very good. Do we know if he's a lead or not? I don't know. I got to see something in the, the playoffs. I got to see, you know, I think he's made a couple of young mistakes. Uh, Alabama game, for instance. I don't think they were overly prepared for the Missouri game. So I don't know that he's elite now. But the scout told me, he said, you either hire an elite coach or you get an elite quarterback. An elite quarterback can change your program. And look at Virginia Tech. Are we even mentioning Virginia Tech, if not for Mike Vick? Did that not change the perception of their program? And we're talking about two decades ago. That's what oh, you yeah. want Nico to be. You want him to be Mike Vick. And let's not forget, after Mike Vick was at Virginia Tech, Frank Beamer and Virginia Tech joined the ACC in 04. They won the ACC title in 04, 07, 08, and 2010. Remember, they were the class of the ACC when they joined for the first six or seven years. And here's a big difference. Mike Vick went to play for Frank Beamer. And Frank Beamer wasn't some like offensive guru. He was a special teams guru. That was his thing and a good runner of a program on top of that. He found what Frank Beamer did was found creative ways to win because of special teams and, but, and had a great defensive coordinator. Yes. And had a great, Oh, Bud Foster who should have gotten the head coaching job after Beamer retired, but that's a different story altogether. Um, 
yeah, so with Nico, you're seeing a guy who this would be like if Mike Vick went, who would have been the perfect coach? You know, who would have been great with Mike Vick is Mark Rick. Mark Rick was great at coaching quarterbacks like Mike Vick during that time. He, Charlie Ward, I guess, is, you know, remember when he coached Charlie Ward in yeah. 93 and 94? Uh, Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. This would be like if Mike Vick went to go play for Mark Rick. Nico is that generational game changing quarterback that would change any program. And he's going to play for a coach who knows exactly how to use him, who will use him perfectly. Again, I say it, Tim Tebow, Urban Meyer. Does Urban Meyer get the number one class, Dave, in 2007 if Tim Tebow's not there? I know they won the national title in 06, so okay, you can – but we all agreed, even we all – I think even you thought at the time, like, okay, Urban Meyer is good schematically, but that was Ron Zook recruits that won it, and you didn't know if it was going to sustain itself. Okay, but Tim a couple Tebow. people on the message board have some issues with Caleb, and first of all, Travis says, Nico invented the internet. Uh, but then it all culminates with what SC scout guy says, Caleb, you have to stop doing this, man. That poor kid is going to have so much expectation on him. He is still a young man. Anything can happen. Oh I'm God, backing. I'm backing Caleb on this because of everything I've heard about Nico since he stepped on campus, that he can handle that pressure. And we're not talking about any added pressure. All he still has to do is go out and play ball and win games. I mean, we're, He's not going to go actively recruit people on a plane and fly around. I mean, we're, we're not talking about anything he has to do better. We're just talking about the impact he has on this program. And I've also been told repeatedly, as I've told you way back in December of 2022, that he has that presence and that he has the broad, strong shoulders that will be able to handle the pressure. So SC Scout guy, see where you're coming from. And in years past, I would be totally with you. Is it too early to pay, play Casey Clawson? Is it too early to play this guy or that guy? No, I, th I think Nico's fine. And I, I thought the same, same thing about Casey, and I was right about that, using just one example. I, I, I'm not worried that there's too much pressure on him. And he also created sliced bread, Smoky Mountain Red Set. So I see your well, point on the message board, but I – all he has to do is play. We're not asking him. Nobody's asking him to go out and recruit. Yeah, this is like Tim Tebow at Florida. I bring him up. Tim Tebow had how much hype as a freshman? Wasn't Florida expecting Heisman no matter what when Tim Tebow, the minute he went there? And when Tebow committed to Florida and won the Heisman, Tebow was a homeschooled kid. He probably wasn't ready for like all the attention that he got playing at Florida, but he handled it perfectly. You know who else handled the expectations perfectly? Peyton Manning. Everybody. There was the Peyton Manning, Brandon Stewart debate, but Dave, let's be honest, because there was a lot of pressure on Peyton because of his father's legacy when he went to Tennessee and handled it masterfully. Sometimes intangibles you can trust. I, this is why, by the way, I still believe, you can call me crazy, I'm still a believer in Bryce Young in the NFL. I think Bryce Young will still end up better than C.J. Stroud in the NFL, and I don't care how bad he was this year. I think Bryce Young is mentally tough enough to handle everything that was thrown at him this year. It was kind of like Peyton Manning's rookie year in Indianapolis. And I think if anybody can handle it, Peyton Manning can and Bryce Young can. I think when things go against CJ Stroud, he won't be able to handle it and it's going to happen. But that's a different topic. I think Nico is the type that can handle the expectations. He's not scared of them. He's not running from them. He knows what's expected of him. He has a lot of moxie. And this is where this is why you bring it up, Dave. People say he's Bryce Young, but 6'6. And I thought about it. I'm more on y'all's side now because people are trying to do the Polynesian comparisons with Tua Tagalavoya and Marcus Mariota. But let's be honest. Tua and Mariota were I do what I'm told type of quarterbacks, right? 
The coach tells them what to do and they do what they're told. Nico will do what he's told, but he's definitely got a lot more moxie than those two guys where he kind of leads the rallies, the troops. He, he strikes me as a rally, the troops quarterback. Yeah. And I think the Marcus Mariota comparison is a little, a little weak and it's a little because they have, you know, similar ethnic backgrounds. Maybe. Uh, I don't know why that one keeps coming up, but I think that I, I don't, I don't people, think... people always compare the Polynesians. That's why I said that. It's, yeah, it's I know. Racist, well, it's not just you. It it's, it's come up several times, but I just, uh, I think he has a way better arm than um, Marcus Mariota already. Um, and what Which about would be the you know, Tua comparison, but Tua has no moxie. I mean, yeah, the, it's stereotyping. Like, Travis points out. Exactly. I think the, I think the bigger Bryce Young comparison is I've run that by a couple of people and, they they think that is a, a apt comparison that have seen in practice on a regular basis. Yes, because Bryce Young, what I know you worry about his size, but he rallied the troops against Alabama, right? He put the he put that team on his back, and quite honestly, to their detriment. Because, and I say a lot of Tennessee players did this with Peyton Manning, but I think when you have a generational player like that, Dave, I think sometimes the rest of the team doesn't step up their game the way they should, and they just try to ride the back of the quarterback to get to where they're going. But I don't think that'll be a problem with Nico because the the unlike Bryce Young and unlike even Peyton Manning in 97, is it safe to say Nico is playing in a much more quarterback-oriented offense than either of those guys did? Like the whole team is 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 built around the quarterback. No, absolutely. And it's built around the quarterback uh, much like Mike Vick's offense was, right? If he didn't run Mike around. Mike Vick's offense was, Mike, take the snap and do whatever you can. <laughs> right. If he doesn't run around and do something, maybe even more built around the quarterback of the person than in the Nico situation. But I don't I don't have any concern about him him handling the pressure at all. I really don't. I don't either. I don't either. Um, I think Nico is gonna be perfectly fine with the pressure. I've watched him on the sideline. He was so um confident and he was so calm and collected in his press conferences that I think this guy has the moxie that that's needed. So yeah, I think he. And by the way, we we were talking about it earlier. I almost said he has the Nazi that's needed. I'm like, wait, I meant to say Moxie. I gotta I gotta be careful with my word. <laughs> uh, okay, so the next superstar, I'm gonna tell you who it is. I told you about three weeks ago, but uh, reaffirmed um, from some things that I have uh, I've heard, and I think that maybe the snow day proved that. Uh, Stay tuned. Two minutes. Tennessee's next superstar off the hook sports presented and represented by Banks and Jones. Other attorneys say they'll go to trial. They won't. Banks and Jones, best for personal injury and criminal defense. Two minutes with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the hook sports. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. 
Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's repair. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. Tennessee's next superstar is Dalton G'day. And it's not even close, regardless of sport. And we're already considering Nico to be a superstar, but I'm putting them up on the level of being that that type of national name because I believe Dalton Connect and Caleb sees it a little bit differently according to his column on offthehooksports.com. I believe Dalton Connect is the difference, and Jimmy Dyke said this on the broadcast. I'm not stealing it. I thought this a couple weeks ago. You know how I've been on Connect. Um, I think he's the guy that can take Tennessee deeper in the tournament. I think he's the guy that can overcome the Rick Barnes curse. But you see it a little different after the ball is won on a snow day. Your take brought to you by Sports Treasures, carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia. Daily updates, go to Facebook.com and go to Sports Treasures TN. That's Sports Treasures TN. And, man, their daily updates are awesome. Lots of Tennessee stuff. I saw some Nico stuff as well. So set it up where you get their updates. Um, While most of the nation was... Very impressed by Dalton Connect. You took a different angle a little bit. Tell me what you saw out of the balls when on a, a snow day that had about 15 people at Thompson Bowling Arena because of the weather. Well, what have I said to you guys consistently about this about this basketball program? I don't care about any game they win from November to early March. All that matters is the three weeks of March for Rick Barnes' career now. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. So the only thing I'm watching for and I've been watching this all year. All I've been watching for is what is something that could cost them in March. Okay. Now, they've addressed some issues that they had in the past, which should help them in March. And you are right. What's the biggest one? They have a go-to score. You're right. Dalton Connect. It's not the first time they've had a go-to score under Rick Barnes. Far from it. Okay. Um, 
even Dalton connects historical run. And I got to give him credit, 35 points, 39 points. Um, I think he's got a run of 30 point games. It's only matched by Grant Williams and Chris Lofton. And, and I believe McRae and Kevin Punter. Pretty darn good. He's in very elite category. He's the best scorer Rick Barnes has ever had at Tennessee. And he may be Rick Barnes' best scorer since Kevin Durant. And that's saying something. But Rick Barnes had Kevin Durant. And guess what? He only got to the second round of the tournament. So, you know what? Don't connect. Kevin Durant, you want to make that comparison? I think it's crazy. But even if you want to make that comparison, Kevin Durant got bounced out in the second round of the NCAA tournament with Rick Barnes. Defense has always been there. Defense doesn't win championships. I've told you guys that a thousand times in March. The interior game was something that held back Tennessee last year because they need to be able to shoot threes to hang with teams that are red hot shooting the ball. And the only way they can do that is if they have an interior presence to take pressure off the perimeter shooters. Jonas Adu, 19 points last night. He's proven to me he can do that. I So Jonas Adu's 19 points, that's not a storyline either because I already knew he could do that. The question for Tennessee... The thing that got exposed last week against Mississippi State, the first weakness I saw in this team that made me think they could be in trouble in March was front court depth. Because if you get in foul trouble, and you inevitably will because college basketball has the most inconsistent, worst officials in all sports. When you run into a officiating crew that overcalls everything in the post and your front court gets in foul trouble, how are you going to handle it? That happened to Tennessee last night. Toby Awaka got in foul trouble. J.P. Estrella came in. That's about the best nine minutes I've ever seen a big man play in his first nine minutes, quite honestly. Estrella dropped seven points. He was two of two. He was effective the whole time. And the only question I'm asking is why hasn't Rick Barnes been playing J.P. Estrella more now? Because that guy looks like he can play and you need your third big option. So going forward, J.P. Estrella should average about 12 minutes a game, 12 to 15. Adu and Awaka are your main ones. But you need Estrella getting enough minutes to where whenever there is foul trouble, he's ready to go, Dave. Because you don't want him rusty going out there in the middle of an NCAA tournament game if you get in foul trouble. I'm going to make a reach of a comparison. May I? Okay. Dalton Connect can bring the same thing to the table that Nico can. Okay? A play breaks down. Nico can make a play with his legs or with his arm, right? With his ability to ball placement. Keeps his eyes downfield. Rick Barnes' offense breaks down a lot in March, okay? Where there's this long scoring droughts where you're like, what the H is going on? I mean, what what is happening? You kick the ball to Dalton Connect. He scores four, six points, and he keeps he keeps you from panic mode. That, to me, is why I think he's he's the key player more than anybody else on this team, more than any other two players on this team, in my opinion. And I know you disagree, but I think that that ability to come up with those four to six manufactured points, and by the way, no more comparing him to Kevin Durant, not by you, but anybody out there in the media, that is silly. He's one of the top five players that have ever picked up a basketball, okay? But Dalton Connect's going to probably be a first-round pick. I just think is savvy. I think uh, I think he is going to be the player that gets Tennessee out of a would be hole in March. And you would you would agree with that, right? That's a huge aspect of what's different about this Tennessee team than previous years. But the but Dave, I, I know you don't want to make the comparison, but since Kevin Durant was that much better, that's what Rick Barnes had in 2007 at Texas, and he couldn't get out of the second week, second round. Okay, okay, but name one other player on that 2017. I mean, they they just were not very good. I mean, 
uh, other than uh, other than Durant. I mean, Tennessee beat them on the road. Um, so no, you're th- no, that's the 06 team that they beat on the road. With, the they 06 beat team, Yeah, the 07 game with Durant. Well, that was one where Chris Lofton dropped off Kevin Durant from like 35 feet out. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. And so I, well, I get what that you're wasn't saying. a great team from top to bottom. I think this is a better team from top to bottom, but I don't think Connect is as good as Durant. Okay, I mean, look, that's. And I, I don't want to short sell Dalton Connect. What he's doing is insane. And I guess I should actually start for a minute and just be fair. Dalton Connect is an incredible player. And Dalton Connect, if I've told you guys this, and I'll keep saying it, if the NCAA tournament were three game series, five game series, the best of three, best of five, I'd have Tennessee winning it all easily. They're not. It's a win or go home. And I still don't know if Tennessee has everything in place to withstand a team going off shooting the ball. Now you're right. Don't connect helps that a lot, a lot, but part of what helps Don't connect Dave, one of the big things that helps Don't connect. And this is my big point. What did Adu do last night? 19 points, right? Mm-hmm. He, he had a double, double on Saturday against Georgia. Don't connect. Can't be Dalton connect unless Adu, unless the inside game is an offensive threat. Is that fair? Would you agree with me on that? That Dalton yes. Connect can't do what he does without the inside game being a threat? Uh, I think he can't do it as effectively. I think he's a good enough scorer where he could he could ISO and still make things happen. I really do. But the I think ISO, only, a- ISO only works if you have to account for the big down low. Yeah, but I think you could take four guys and have them stand next to Rick Barnes, and Dalton Connect is probably going to score one-on-one with – one out of three times. I'm not saying all the time, but I think he's that good of a scorer. I, I want to throw some numbers at you uh, via the uh, Tennessee media guide. Uh, 35 plus points. Grant Williams, uh, 43 at Vanderbilt. Dalton Connect, 39 versus Florida. Grant Williams, 37 at Vanderbilt. Dalton Connect, 37 at North Carolina. Dalton Connect, 36 at Georgia. Kevin Punter, 36 uh, South Carolina. Jordan McRae, 35 at Georgia. Yeah, uh, that's that's really, really good. And this, I thought, was very interesting as well. Uh, this, I think, was texted out by John Reed. Uh, Grant with 85 points versus uh, Vanderbilt, West Virginia, and South Carolina. Punter had 85, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. McCray, 85, A&M, Florida, and Georgia. Lofton, 89, Kentucky, Georgia, and Auburn. And I think we would agree that um, Lofton's offense and Tennessee's offense at the time was more about scoring than Rick Barnes, who likes to play defense. I, th- I think he's an elite player. Um, and I, I just don't think that uh, his importance can be overstated when it comes March time. This is it. Oh, I agree. But the importance is we're not talking about Tennessee just getting out of the first round. Tennessee's got our first weekend. Tennessee's got to make a final four run. I mean, Dave, can we call this season a bust if Tennessee doesn't make the Final Four? Are we at that point? I would, call, I would, I would call it a bust if they didn't make the Elite Eight. I'll give you that. Okay, uh, I because... don't think Final Four is 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 an absolute or or necessary to affirm what this program is, but this this program is good enough where. If you don't make, if you just make the Sweet 16, you've got to take a hard look at Rick Barnes and the future of your program. Not necessarily for 2025, but 
you've got to start thinking, is it time to bring in a young coach? Um, Because you have a lot of cachet. And don't think for a second when they turn that Food City Center, which should still be called the Thompson Bowling Arena, when they turn it into an entertainment district, that's going to wow some coaches. You can go out and literally in three years, when they get that thing done, you can wow any coach in the world. You can go after anybody you want to. You should consider yourself a blue blood at that point. And I know you don't have the record or the history, but you have enough in your favor where you should be able to go out and hire anybody you want. Rick Barnes' successor, whether or not he's fired or whether or not he decides to retire, which probably the latter, will be uber successful at Tennessee. Guarantee you that. Oh, I'm with you on that. Tennessee is on very solid ground as a basketball program with or without with or without Rick Barnes. And um, I'm sure Dave as somebody who covered certain Tennessee basketball programs. You're happy to see a coach just actually be involved with coaching the Tennessee basketball program right now, <laughs> rather than golfing or drinking back with this golf club, Jerry green style or wa- or watching soap operas in the day. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I do believe Rick Barnes is very, but Rick Barnes is, a, is you ever, felt that March Madness was overcoached. You ever watched NCAA basketball? You, you ever feel like college basketball can be overcoached sometimes? And I actually tend to think it's undercoached. I think there are too many coaches who want you to fight through a drought and not take a timeout. Because at that point, if you take a timeout, you've got to draw up a play. I think it's undercoached. Really? See, I always felt it was overcoached. With the smaller schools, I always felt it was overcoached. And they... Because I always felt like Rick Barnes overcoached his team, quite honestly. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but I always felt like he overcoaches his team to the point where in March it's they're just worn down because oh, of that. Oh, no, no, no. And I definitely agree with that over the course of a season. But in March, decisions that are made sometimes to me are, are undercoached. Let me ask you this. Who does Dalton Connect remind you of? Do not say Kevin Durant. <laughs> um, and we had a couple people – I didn't know that Thunder Dan would make an appearance. Dan Marley um, uh, makes an appearance. I think he's, I think he's better than Marley actually, who was a very good player, borderline Hall of Fame player. Might be in the Hall of Fame since basketball takes into account uh, what you did in, in college as well. Uh, I have trouble coming up with uh, a comparison. What about you, Caleb? Who's a good swing man who can take you to the basket and still shoot? You know, one guy who really kind of stands out to me is um, he's a current head coach and he won a national championship and he goes by the name of John Shire at Duke back in 2009, 2010. Shire yeah. was at Shire averaged 18 points that year. He was 6'5", 190. Um, he was 38% from three, always found a way to get to the basket. He wasn't even that efficient, but he you know that when everything broke down they went to john shire and i'm not just making the comparison because they're both white okay before anybody comes for me <laughs> right but i do see john shire more than yeah i'm gonna go john shire i see a lot of john shire and don't connect john shire was 65 190 don't connect to 66 195 um that's probably the closest comparison when everything broke down, Coach K would just go to John Shire because Kyle Singler was on that. That, that was a team with Kyle Singler, Nolan Smith, uh, Miles Plumley, And when everything broke down, John Shire took it over. Almost won ACC Player of the Year, but Gravis Vasquez was it dominating that year. So, yeah, I'll go John Shire. 
my comparison is, and we want to hear from you on the message board, what you think it is. Uh, mine's Jason Tatum. Um, I, I think he's very similar to Jason Tatum. I think, and there he's able to take it to the rack. He's a very competent shooter. Um, and I think he's just a natural scorer. I think he actually has a little bit more drive than Tatum. My question is for you, as we get some of your comps on the message board, is he the best scorer since Allen Houston that Tennessee has had? Now, that means we're skipping over guys like Grant Williams. It means we're skipping over guys like, I don't know, a Chris Lofton. We're skipping over some pretty good guys, but I don't think we're that far away from making that comparison. Best score from out since Allen Houston. And I'll tell you this too, Allen Houston's offense was either spot up and shoot or ISO. So Allen Houston's dad was the coach. And if anybody's been around little league sports, you know that the, 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 if the coaches, uh, son is part of the team. He's going to get more opportunity. So not to discount Allen Houston at all, but uh, I think he's the best scorer since Allen Houston. I'm going to go ahead and say it, it didn't help that Allen Houston was the only scorer on those Tennessee teams. So what was their option? Just a football throw it from half court and hope it goes in? <laughs> Probably. Um, so what I will say is, here's the thing, the comparison, here's why the comparison to Houston is not as adept, as apt to me. Allen Houston was more of a spot-up shooter. Allen Houston was almost Chris Lofton at 6'6", wasn't he? If Chris Lofton were 6'6", that was Allen Houston to a certain degree. Maybe Chris Lofton was a better shooter, but Allen Houston was a spot-up shooter who could drive. Dalton Connect, I think, is a lot more physical than Allen Houston. I think Dalton Connect does embrace getting into the paint and taking the hits, or is, and he's also not as good from outside as Allen Houston is. Last two games notwithstanding. I know everybody's going to be like, he's going 8 of 10 from 3 of those two games. Yet, okay, over a course of like a season, though, I would take Allen Houston as an outside shooter over Dalton Connect. But I think Connect can withstand more punishment going into the paint than Allen Houston could. Because I think Allen Houston, his, his – what do you, totally, you saw him? His whole, I 100% agree. I think he can take it to the rack better. I think he's okay with contact. And people are agreeing with you on the message board. I think you nailed it. I mean – I don't want to come on here and say after one game and um, a half of a season that he's better than Allen Houston, but he might be. Yeah. He might be. No, you're I mean, right. He, he might be. And by the way, I'm seeing comparisons because someone's bringing up that Shire was closer to a point guard than Don't Connect is. If you watch Don't Connect, he easily could play point guard. He is a wing who actually makes the right pass every time the paint collapses on him. So he's very smart with that. It's just Tennessee has the guy Ziegler. So they don't really need Don't Connect to do that quite honestly to run the offense but now, he could. I, th that's where i am i'm at i'm at tatum and so you're at shire uh anybody else if you want to wow we have uh the ghost of general neeland saying connect is a beast best since bernard king Whew. okay that first of all if you do that then you have he's not even better than dale ellis who followed bernard king just yet i don't think he can be better than bernard king but i think he could be better than dale ellis Oh, he could be better than Dale Ellis, but he's not yet. Yeah. I don't think he has the – Bernard King without the injury was an elite player in the NBA. He may have been the best player of all time without the injury. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, not, I'm not putting him anywhere close to that, but I think the Dale Ellis, who turned into a spot-up shooter, I think Connect can be better than Dale Ellis. Yeah. he. I, I could give you that. And funny, if we talk about pure talent as these wing scorers, it's funny you bring him up. If Vince – because we compared him yesterday. In terms of – if. In terms of just raw abilities, Vincent Yarbrough may have been the best player Tennessee ever had. He just didn't have the mental toughness 
Is, is that fair to say though that actually in terms of actual abilities he could have been he had NFL, he had NBA Hall of Fame potential, didn't he? If he had yes. the mentality. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, we let's not sell Chris Lofton short either because I still think the cancer battle affected him long term. And with the NBA, you have to be so lucky in making a team. I mean, Lofton could have made the right team, got drafted at the right point, had he had a good senior year and stuck around the NBA because of his shooting ability for a long, long time, Caleb. And I, I, I don't, I still think his cancer battle had not only an effect on his last year at UT, but had an effect on, on NBA scouts. This sounds hardcore, but if you're a scout, do you wonder if the cancer could reoccur? I mean, that is something well, like a health is- issue that you would look at. Chris Lofton and Ron Slee are the two biggest victims of the stupidity of NBA GMs for a long time. And I talked to Ron Slee about this, and I'd love to talk to Chris Lofton about this. Dave, if you remember Ron Slee, we talked about it. NBA GMs believed if you either have to be wildly athletic or you have to be 6'11 to be a power forward, right? That's what they believed for the longest time. And they didn't see the value in a Ron Slee who could use his width more than his length underneath the basket. And he could actually stretch the court from shooting from outside. You would think that Charles Barkley would have shown that that's possible, but they still rejected it for the longest time. Chris Lofton, NBA scouts believed that just being an elite shooter wasn't enough. They thought you either had to be 6'6", or if you are 5'10 or 11, you had to be really quick and drive, be able to drive to the basket. They did not see the value in a guy who maybe only, he was listed as 6'1". Chris Lofton was 5'11". Let's call it what it is. If you've ever been around him, he was 5'11". He was not 6'1". Oh, I, was, I was I was harder than Chris Lofton. We stood next to each other. Yeah, and so I'm, you know, and I'm right at six feet. What the NBA, the NBA GMs were so dumb. They felt there was such a it was the it was Pete Calipari era with Derrick Rose in the dribble drive area that they felt all guards should be able to slash to the basket no matter what, and there was no desire for a guy who could just stretch the court with his shooting. I guarantee you, if Chris Lofton and Ron Slay were ten years younger, they'd both be in the league right now still playing. Ron Slay would be starting. Chris Lofton would be a six man off the bench right now. If, if, if they had come out right now, because Chris Lofton was, he was pre Steph Curry. Steph Curry changed everything about how NBA scout. Now he's shorter than Steph Curry. I'm not trying to say he's like Steph Curry, but Steph Curry. No, but that's a good comparison. And he wasn't given the green lot to shoot from 38 feet either. Um, But had he been, I'm not sure that he couldn't make it. By the way, I challenged Chris Lofton to a shooting contest once via Tennessee Sports Information Department, and uh, they they declined. Who do you think would have won? Uh, I'm pretty sure Chris Lofton would have won, Dave. I would. Um, Here are the rules. Okay, we're at Thompson Bowling Arena, and we're waiting for the players to come out to interview them before practice. And I said uh, to Tom uh, Satkoviak, I said, I want to challenge Chris Lofton to a shooting contest. And he goes, ha, ha, ha. And I said, no, seriously. So we were allowed to shoot on the court before the players came out. And I said, the rule is, Caleb, listen to this. The rule is you have to throw it football style from half court. And Tom said, Tom said, I'm still putting my money on Chris Lofton. So I said, I bet you I can hit one of those within five shots. Fourth shot. Nailed it. And I was like, bring Chris out. Tom goes, I'm not bringing him out. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm telling you, I had a I had a good arm when it came to football. Now my shoulder's blown, so you'll have to take my word for it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, all right. Nate Oates. It's time for him to be suspended, right? In case those that didn't see that, is there a way that we can pull up that video on the Twitter? He pushes a player from an opposing team. Now, it is one thing. This is... I believe really serious because it could have escalated into a full out brawl because when the coach loses control and by pushing a player that's not on your team, you you have lost control. He needs to be suspended. We all know what Alabama went through last year. And I've got real question about Nate Oates's ability to lead a program with high integrity. And I, I want to pull this up right now because i believe he clearly needs to be suspended uh ghost of general Nealon, thank you for uh chipping in there uh superman and chuck norris where connects pjs to bed they absolutely do uh don't forget uh if you guys will i greatly appreciate it uh zach turner former ball his wife is going through a serious battle with cancer uh, his link is right below for the GoFundMe page. Uh, last I checked, uh, since we started promoting it, not just us, but since we started promoting it, went from like $5,000 to $15,000, I think. So uh, I absolutely appreciate uh, committing uh, cash to the channel, but I would much rather you commit your your cash to him. But uh, thank you so much, Ghost of uh, General Nealon. I don't want to sound like I'm uh, not being appreciative, but uh, I want to help Zach out. Zach was a guy that I had over at my house and. I think uh, him and Fred White, the only two athletes I had in my house, and he is a great young man, and his wife is really seriously battling cancer, so please help his GoFundMe page. All right, let's play this Nate Oates clip. All right, so it's only 10 seconds, guys, so uh, as you can see, there's a little foul. Whoa, whoa, a little bit extra. That's the problem. I think Nate Oates pushing Shaw back. Yeah, you cannot, and Shaw was not even, for those who didn't see, Shaw was not even addressing Nato's. He was talking to the ref. He wasn't even screaming at the ref, the Missouri player. He was just talking to the ref. And Nato's gets between him and pushes him back. And he had a little smirk on his face, almost like he was ready to talk trash. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. And I think he should be suspended for five games. I'm with you. I, 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 I mean, this is not a game or a game or two. And this is not some sort of financial penalty. This is five games. To me, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you just do not touch another player. Listen, I, I in the heat of battle, I'm not going to say that I'm too good of a man where I wouldn't have smacked Nate Oates in the face had he pushed me aside, especially at 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, I was ready to scrap back then. If another coach puts his hands on me or another player puts his hands on me, then I'm going to at the very least, push back. Had he pushed back, how does it escalate? That was like a millimeter from being like a lead 
story on SportsCenter and being a complete fiasco disaster that would have embarrassed the SEC and definitely would have embarrassed Alabama. I, I mean, the SEC has to step up and do something. My question is, do you think they will? And yes, it was a sissy shove. Smoking Mountain Red, you're it right. Was. Okay, so uh, I want I want to address what the Missouri basketball coach Dennis Gates said in response, and he basically said what we and you would, would say, Dave. He said, if that was players in a huddle with a hand on an opponent, what would take place? It'd be an automatic technical foul, and he's right. It would have been an automatic technical foul. Now we want to be fair. Nate Oates did apologize, but I'm with you. That and, and, and here's I want to say this to coaches a lot of times because I, I want to I want to address this up front. Don't coach other teams' players. Don't get on to other teams' players. Well, that's a big and, duh. What, 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 well, oh, you mean you mean in those types of situ, uh, situations? No, it's not a big duh because I want to bring this guy. I, you know, I like picking on him too much, Dave. But you weren't covering Tennessee, so you may not know this story. But um, when Tennessee lost to Oklahoma in 2015, they blew a 17 to nothing lead and lost to Oklahoma 20 to 17. That was Baker Mayfield's breakout game. Do you remember that? Yeah, I was and, I was covering Tennessee at that time. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, you were? Okay. I Do you remember when Butch Jones went off on Eric Stryker, the Oklahoma edge rusher, after the game? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. That's, that, that should have been the sign right there that he wasn't ready. Butch Jones lectured Eric Stryker about celebrating too much after beating Tennessee. Eric Stryker wasn't his player. And yeah. he, he defended himself in the press conference. He's like, I told Eric he's a great player and he just needs to learn how to act. He's like, that's not your place to tell them what to do. He doesn't play for you, Butch. And- no, that was word on Woody Hayes. And for those that are too young, you might not remember, Woody Hayes was eventually fired from Ohio State and he was a legend for punching a Clemson player during a bowl game. Um, so I don't care if it's a sissy shove or not. I don't care if it's a punch or not. Don't lay hands on another player that's not on your team. Uh, Peyton Manning even agrees. They're like that is total bullshit. <laughs> Thank you, Peyton. Do you what think? My question, pardon me. What was the game? Wasn't it an Alabama player? It was like the the 1954 Cotton Bowl. No, it was a Rice player. Alabama in the 54 Cotton Bowl. There was like a touchdown run, and a Rice player comes off the bench to make a tackle <laughs> against somebody. <laughs> uh, look, now we think. Are you at five games? Are you with me? Suspended for five games. I mean, I might be up to eight. If Bruce Pearl okay. can get an eight-game suspension for lying about a violation that's no longer a violation, and then a three-year show calls. Okay, so let's let's agree we're at five plus. So if you had a guess, the SEC will suspend him for less than – I'm going to put it at four and a half. The SEC will suspend him for le- – uh, the over-under is at four and a half suspension. Where you got it? Gene says at least five games. You say eight. I don't have a, an argument with eight. You know, I, I'm going to say less because, you know, what's weird is I haven't seen. Have you seen an SEC statement yet saying we're reviewing the film and we'll, we'll we'll make a determination? Shouldn't they release some statement that they're investigating this? And say that they're reviewing it just so they know something is coming? Yes. Yes. And also, we- how about this? Shouldn't just the Alabama Athletic Department step up and suspend them? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I always love bringing in the other side of, of the, the opinion. You guys are so weak. That push was like, uh, go on back to your side of the court. I, I, listen, Chad, I don't, I don't know if you've been involved with athletics, but you, you just don't – I don't care if it's a pinky push. You don't lay your hand on another player, especially when you're the adult in the situation. If it had been an Alabama player pushing a Missouri player, that's different. But you're the coach. You're the adult, right? 
Yeah. And also if it's one thing, if it's like a timeout and because here's what Alabama player, I'm just going to tell you what Bama fans are trying to say on Twitter that Nate Oates was trying to talk to his players and the guy and the Missouri player was trying to listen in. Well, unless you call a timeout, they have a right to stand wherever the heck they want to stand. Okay. Cause it's not a timeout. It's not a huddle. So they have a right to stand wherever they want to stand. And he wasn't trying to listen into NATO's. He was very clearly talking to the refs and NATO's didn't want him in the way when he was trying to talk to his players and the refs too. NATO's pushed him out of the way so he could talk to the ref. Yeah, this is a bad look. And after last year, it looks humiliating. And I mean, I, yeah, this is you, you. I'm with you. You can't put your hands on another team's player. You get in trouble when you put your hands on your own players. Like, did you ever remember when Jeremy Pruitt got backlash for grabbing Jared Garantano's face mask after after he went rogue and got yes. really mad at him for that? Yep. And you, you, he got in trouble for that. Much less putting your hands on another team's player. Um, our poll question today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason, real What is more difficult in building a championship program following Pruitt disaster or following Saban dynasty? What do you think has the most votes? Have you looked? Don't look. I think following Pruitt disaster has the most votes. Okay. We'll open that with our five favorite minutes. What do you want to talk about? Go ahead and tell us. And apparently Mike Tomlin trips players on kick returns. <laughs> there we go. Uh, that, that's not what we're going to talk about. But uh, your thoughts, if you got any questions on recruiting or anything like that, our five favorite minutes is about you. And uh, please make it about our sponsors as well. Support our sponsors. That's why we're here. Um, and I will tell you this. Um, I think that uh, you, you are right but you were wrong. Following Pruitt disaster is 70%. Following the Saban dynasty is 29%. I think it'll prove out that following a Saban dynasty is more difficult. In other words, let's put it this way. I don't think that Alabama is going to win 11 games. And that would have been Josh Heupel's second year. I don't think that Alabama is going to win 11 games in two years. You're... Okay, but this the question is not who was going to be more successful. Josh, you're trying to make it as the question who's going to be more successful, Josh Heupel or Kalen DeBoer. I never said that Kalen DeBoer would be that successful, but it's not because he's following a legend. It's because Alabama, it's because one, I don't believe he's as great of a coach as Jimmy Hyams believe, and two, and more importantly, Alabama boosters are stupid. They think they don't have to cobble up NIL money to recruit, and Kalen DeBoer is going to recruit with one hand behind his back. And for the record, Alabama boosters ain't been bright for a long time. Dave, <laughs> let me say this. No, let me say this up front. How lucky were they to get that Nick Saban hire when they did? They stumbled into that hire, right? That uh, was they, a... they fought really hard. Now, they were lucky that it, things didn't work out with Rich Rodriguez. But, the, I mean, they, they, set up camp I mean. Out, they set up camp outside of Nick Saban's house. They were debating over whether or not to hold out for Nick Saban and lose all on Greg Schiano and Rich Rodriguez or go for Greg Schiano and Rich Rodriguez. And they made the call to go for Rich Rodriguez. They got burned. This was a stumble. And how many stumbles did they make before then? Mike Price. Oh, a lot. Shula, uh, a lot. Shoney, Mike. Yeah. They got lucky with Nick Saban. That was a I, – look – Rest in peace. I think Mal Moore is one of the greatest human beings that has ever been an athletic director. I think you might agree with me on that, right, Dave? That Mal Moore was just a really good person in a lot of ways. But if you take away the Nick Saban hire, his legacy as Alabama's AD is trash. It was a lucky hire. Yeah, and I have to be honest with you. I didn't know he was such a great person. I don't know as much about him as you. I guess he I guess he was. I'll trust you. Uh, you're, you're the historian. But um, 
Yeah, I think that uh, when I just I think with the transfer portal, and it seems as if oh, the message board uh, is is a little split like we are. Uh, with Pruitt, it's a complete rebuild. At least DeBoer has the talent to work with. Well, I don't know. A lot of that talent can leave because the transfer portal. Now, this is in the transfer portal wor- world. I wouldn't argue this otherwise. Travis says Alabama is losing recruits left and right, not to mention starters. I hope they lose everything. I think with transfer portal, I will stand by this, and I've got a column coming up. I think that it is more difficult to replace a legend than it is to replace a disaster like Pruitt. But we can agree to disagree. The show represented by Banks and Jones. Other attorneys say they'll go to trial. They will not. Banks and Jones will play to win. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado.